Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's throw one more in there. Welcome to Outside the Sheds. I am your host, Corey Jackson, your Shed Adamus, even though you really wouldn't call me a Shed Adamus after those first week picks. But Shed Heads, it doesn't matter. To me, the most important thing is the season has begun, and both seasons have begun because after last night's Bulldogs-D's match, we are in, in, in to the NRL and to the AFL for 2022, and I, I can't really express my excitement. I will tell you after the, the, after the week one scores, results, whatever you want to say, I'm even more excited about the season now than I was on the cusp of the season starting. Now, let's get into the 40-20 because we've got a lot to cover because we have, you know, we're going to go into the AFL picks of what I think the season is going to culminate into and all that type of stuff. But Shedheads, I want to go over the scores of this last week that we just experienced. And, and my excitement was not tempered with the performance of the Manly Seagulls on last Thursday night's match because the Penny Panthers destroyed them 28 to 6. And and I know that uh there was a lot of talk that Manly wanted to they had something to prove. They had something to prove against Penrith and the start that they had last season going out of the box 0 and 4, 0 and 17, 0 and 900 whatever. It was a horrible start to the season. And Desi Hazler was under pressure to turn the ship, to right the ship. A lot of people will say, and they will point to the Corso race. Or, I mean, the fa- the fall in the bathroom for Turbo. But Manly had to come out of the gate firing this year. Everybody went, came through. I know Josh Alloway and, and Schuster and a few of the, the guys that you kind of need for Manly were not in there. But besides those two guys, and I do think, and I said this last week, that Schuster is going to be, he's a huge, huge, huge key loss right now for Manly. And I think he's going to be... I think when the ship gets started to get righted and they start going the right direction, it will not be coincidences when Schuster gets back into the lineup. But they got dismantled. They shut Penrith shut down Tommy Turbo and beat them 28 to 6. And it might not even have been that close. The Panthers showed their elite status, and we're gonna get into that a little bit later on, but an impressive 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 start to the season for the penny panthers raiders 24 sharks 19 the raiders and ricky's boys get that victory in jack whiten's 200th game uh i i don't understand the mullet haircut guys let's talk about this a little bit uh it is horrible this is not rock and roll tennis this is not andre agassi this is just bad haircuts and and it needs to be outlawed I think this is I think this is more dangerous to the game than the high tackle or some of these haircuts that are going on in the NRL right now and in the and in the AFL as well. It's just bad. It's just bad. But anyway, Jackie Whiten, bad haircut and all, 200th game gets a victory. Broncos 11, Bunnies 4. I don't I don't want to say this was the shock of the round cuz you this is one of the games your Shedadamas picked. Uh I did think that I I'm a big fan of Albert Kelly. 
and I'm very excited to see Albert Kelly getting back over in the NRL and playing the way and the style of footy that I think he can be successful with. And I think you're going to see even a better Albert Kelly once Adam Reynolds gets into the side, which we're going to see here uh, very, very soon, very, 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 very quickly this, this round. But I will tell you, Albert Kelly is important, but I think Kurt Capewell is going to be astronomically important. I know everyone points at Adam Reynolds and the, the, little gen, the little general, all that stuff. But Kurt Capewell showed with that kick that he did to pretty much seal the game, uh, Kurt Capewell is going to be a key, key, key addition for the Brisbane Broncos. And it starts well. And now I think the talk has gone from what's going to happen with Kevy's boys to can Kevy's boys make the eight? And I think they can. Um, Knights 20, Rooster 6. That was my shock of the round. That was the one that really caught me flat-footed, put a gigantic Sioux shot to my chin, and put me down on the canvas. Because I did not see the Newcastle Knights, all the talk and drama leading into the season, if Kalen Ponga is going to recommit, if he's going to opt out and go with, you know, go up and be a flipper, I mean a dolphin, uh, for, for Clint Eastwood, Wayne Bennett. And I said that a lot of the future of Kalen Ponga is going to is going to really stand on how well the Knights play up to that June, I think, first or fourth, whatever, uh, decision that has to come down for his future. But that type of start right there is going to be key. And that was an impressive victory for the Newcastle Knights. Dragons 28, Warriors 16, Rabalawa, that's all I have to say about that. I'm saying a lot of people think the Dragons are going to do something special this year. And I'm not talking about winning the competition, but that they are going to have a, a successful season, that they are going to make the faithful of St. George start to think about the future a little bit. And you know what? You can't say much more. I know the Warriors are a slow starting team. And again, they slowed it start. They started slow again. But it was a very, very, very big victory for, for St. George to start their season and, and in an impressive way that they did it as well. Storm 26, Tigers 16. The Tigers, the, the upset falls short. But I will tell you the biggest thing that came out of that match is the injuries that is going to have to be righted and that Bellyache is going to have to try to overcome for the storm to actually get to where a lot of people think that they're going to end up this year. So uh, that is, to me, the thing that really comes out of this match. Yes, the Tigers looked a little bit better, but they still lost. Uh, and I think we're going to have to circle this weekend coming up right now of what their future and their season is going to be like. Because I told you, I didn't think it was going to be a good start for them. I, Jackson Hastings played well. It was good to see him back in the NRL. But I still think that the Tigers are in trouble. Eels 32, Titans 28. This match was insane. Because all those points that were scored, we're talking, what are we talking, 60 in that match? 54 of them were scored in the first half. And that was, we're talking offensive explosion. And then all of a sudden, it became a, a, a snail walk in the second half. But uh, the Eels... 
offensively show that they've got a prowess. They've got themselves a fight. I think Mitchell Moses is going to have a great season. And I know my boy Dom is very, very happy with that result. And then finally, to end the round, Bulldog 6, Cowboys 4. I call this that game the War of Attrition match. It was it was not pleasant on the eyes. It may have cost me one or two years of my life sitting through the entire match. But I will tell you, I I I get enjoyment no matter what is going on, as long as I get to watch a little Josh Adokar. Because I think the passion of Josh Adokar, the excitement that he has. Watching him on Matty Johns uh, on after the match, you know, his laugh, it's infectious. But there was a moment in that match when, when the Fox lit into his team to get them up onto the line for the scrum. And I will tell you, that is something we have not seen. I know Jackson has been there for a while and he's had to deal with a lot of garbage that has been going on at Canterbury for a while. But Josh Adokar is a winner. The Fox is a winner. He's been under bellyache for a while now. He knows what winning looks like. He knows what it feels like. And I think Gus understood how important it was to get, to get Josh Adokar to sign on the dotted line, to bring him back to Sydney, but to put him in a Bulldogs jersey because he is going to bring something. And, and I think that will of Josh Adokar and that refusing to lose is one of the reasons that they somehow held on and beat the Cowboys. Now, on the other side of the of the coin, I don't know. I, I've told you, Shedheads, for a while, I'm a fan of Todd Payton. I really enjoyed what he did with the Warriors two seasons ago, how he got them to really fire up, and, 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 and you know, even though they had no home, uh, but just battle, 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 you know, every game. But I think he's, I think he's missed a lot with his beginning of his coaching career with the Cowboys. And I think the number one thing, and it may be where he unfortunately leaves himself on the battlefield, is on the battle of of resting uh, the cold train of that team. And I think, and we're not going to call too many people out, but I'm going to say that, that that decision to rest Tomalolo the way that he does could cost him his job because that that guy is the engine of the team and you can't take a guy that's that big and rest him for that long of a period in time and then think you're going to turn him on like a like a freaking a diesel truck and then he's just going to fire in the second half like that and you know they almost pulled out the victory but I think we've got a you know because they're the match they've got they got the Raiders this week and I think Ricky's boys are firing and I, you know, is anybody really going to pick the Raiders to lose to the Cows, even though it is up in up in Queensland, up in Townsville? I don't think that can happen. I think the Raiders win that match, and I think Peyton is under the gun. And that's why I said it was a war of attrition match because you know you had the you, you know you had the battle of coaches that are under the hot seat. You know those three coaches, those two coaches, and and Madge McGuire are the three coaches that are on the chopping block first. Let's be honest, and you know. Uh, one of them survives and two of them fall. So we'll have to see. Now, let's talk about round one. I will tell you right now, after watching Sean O'Sullivan slide into the position of Nathan Cleary, siding with Jerome Luai in the halves, and watching that Penrith Panthers team fire the way they fired, 
has to put a cold chill down the spine of the rest of the NRL. Because that that performance, and Ivan Cleary, who I don't know if Ivan Cleary's heart rate gets over 100 ever. I'm saying that dude, I watched him on NRL 360, and he just does not get too high or low. And I think that's a great thing for a coach. But man, oh man, that team is something special. And you know I love Jerome Luai, and Cleary is great. He needs to shave that upper lip. But besides that, they're they're really, really dangerous. Because Sean O'Sullivan's playing with the grudge. You know, he's, you know, talking about how nervous he was, but then by the end of the game, you know, he's 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 waiting to hear a little bit from the crowd, putting the hand up to the ear and all that type of stuff. But it is it is fascinating to me how good this team is. And I don't think they're, you know. We know what this game is. The NRL is a tough, tough game. Rugby League is a tough, tough game. We know a couple of injuries can change an entire team's outlook of the season. But I will say right now that the Penrith Panthers are a cut above everybody else right now. And especially with the injuries that happened for the Melbourne Storm and how bad the Roosters look. And I think we all know, and you know who my pick was this year, but I think I think we all know that Rabo will get... The Roosters, the Chookies firing. Uh, it's a big match this week. I'm really excited for that one, the Roosters and, and the Seagulls. But I really think that these teams are going to have to to rein in the Penrith Panthers, and I don't know if that's possible after what I saw. But it's a long season. Now, again, I said to me the surprise of round one was the Newcastle Knights. And and I think a lot of people were concerned with Mitchell Pierce moving on to the Catlins Dragons and, you know, they're firing right now 4-1 and one over in the Super League. But the combination of, of Clune and Clifford and the Habs really fired in that first match. And, I, you know, you got a guy, you know, Clune that, that plays with a grudge. You know, he, I think he really feels like he was never given a straight shake um, for the Dragons. And now he's got new life up, up in Newcastle. And you got Jake Clifford, another player that really kind of found himself on the ouster with, with the Cowboys. And I think those two are both very skilled. I'm saying Jake Clifford has got a talented, talented foot. I'm saying he's got a, a great kicking game. And I think Clune is just wiry enough that he's kind of on he's kind of like that 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 cut wire. You know, it's kind of dangling around out there, and you just don't want to touch it because you get shocked. And that is what I think he is. But I will tell you. The, the, the thing that is going to make Newcastle, and everyone says Kalen Ponga, and yes, Kalen Ponga is a special, special player. But I'm going to tell you, yes, he is, but that team's future success relies on Bradman Best and Dane Gagai. And I really think those two guys, you know, Bradman Best is a force coming down that's the that side of the field. When he is running, he he's big. It's tough to bring him down, and his offload is incredible. And and he's only going to get better. Shedheads. This he's young. He is beyond young, and he's a hell of a player. And I think that him working and getting ready, get, you know, getting to watch how how Dane Gagai gets himself up, and, and, and the way that he he trains and performs week in and week out on the other side of the field is only going to bring his game up even higher. So I will tell you right now, 
A team that I did not have a lot. And there were some teams that thought that Newcastle might finish with the wooden spoon. I don't see that at all. I think Newcastle is going to be fighting for a 6th or 7th place spot in the finals. And I think that they could do some special, special things up in the Hunter this year. Um, And I'm not going to take that all as Joey Johns getting up there and working with the Habs and that team. But there was a strike about them. And they made the Roosters look bad. And I know that the Roosters, week one, have a lot of guys. You know, you've got their halves, Walker and Cleary, kind of learning how they're going to play together, blah, blah, blah. And I know that won't be the same team that we see later down the track. You know, that, that's just that's just what happens with the Roosters. They, they excel to excellence. That's what they do. But they made them look like they didn't even almost deserve to be on the field with them, the Newcastle Knights did. And that does not happen often for a Trent Robinson team. So I think that uh, I think um, all my friends up in the 100, you might be in for a very exciting season of Newcastle footy. Now, unfortunately, we have to talk about some of the negatives of, of week one, round one, and that is the injury. I'm talking the medics were in full effect, and there's a lot of red crosses now on players that are very, very important for their teams. And I think it doesn't get any more troublesome than what's happening for the Melbourne Storm because in that match in that victory they lost co-captain Christian Welch which we all know an Achilles injury season George Jennings ACL season and then you had the Wombat Brandon Smith early in the match I'm saying within what the first five minutes breaks his hand and he's out five weeks in his last season with the storm and you watch you watch belly aches face craig bellamy's face at the press conference after the match and i know that there is a decision coming up for him if he wants to continue coaching or if he wants to go upper management with the storm whatever but i think he knows that he is going to have to pull out one of his best coaching jobs of his career um this season now I know he's getting he's getting you know Munster back this week, and I think I think that is going to be a, a a huge lift uh, for that team and, and the weight on Craig Bellamy. But that those are some key key losses, and it's going to be interesting to see how one of the best coaches in the game gets his team up and firing after those losses. Now unfortunately, those weren't the only major losses for this this first round. Sean Russell, who had an incredible, you know, he got three tries in his opening match for the for the uh, for the Eels. Fractured ribs, punctured lung uh, that he received on that tackle by Jaden Campbell, and 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 there's been a bit a lot of debate if that was a a a, a, a an offense that should have got Jaden Campbell suspended. I don't think it was. I don't think that Jaden Campbell. The number one thing you want to see for a player is that he doesn't quit on a play, right? And one of the things that everyone's so excited about Jaden Campbell is his right step and that the kid plays way above his weight and that he's always in every play that he can actually get himself into. If you look where he came from in that play, he came from almost the post. So he came down with his knees down. They weren't driven into the side of, of Sean Russell. So I don't think, I think it was just a hard play, and unfortunately, it's a hard game. And if it wasn't for the incident, quote-unquote incident, last year for the Roosters, and the horrible officiating that happened there, 
uh, I don't think we'd even be talking about this. But because of the precedent that was set, because of that tackle and and the, the results of the injuries that happened last season, I think we're looking at it. And a lot of people have been debating, should the penalty for the player be on the severity of the injury of the player that's hurt? And again, you can't do it that way. You can't, you can't base it on that. You just can't. Um, so no matter if it stinks for the Eels and, and Russell, who, again, had an incredible game, I don't think Jaden Campbell should have been uh, penalized. And I think the NRL got it right there. But he is gone indefinite amount of time. Uh, but then also Ryan Madison. A lot of people haven't been talking about that because of the Russell injury. Ryan Madison hurt his hamstrings out for three weeks. So those are some key losses for a Parramatta team that has some high expectations of this season. Now the Warriors. Well, what, what do you want to say about, about the New Zealand Warriors? They're a team that cannot seem to stay healthy. And unfortunately, that comes with one player that really can't seem to stay healthy. And one of my favorite players to watch in the entire competition, and that's Sean Johnson. Sean Johnson, pictorial strain, four weeks. And he was... He had an assist in all three of the tries for the Warriors. And the guy is gone. He's out. Four weeks. And 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 so what, what's really concerning about that is we've been dealing with Sean Johnson's lower body injuries, it feels like, for the last five seasons. And now he's already hurt in his upper body. So I don't know, is it because he hasn't been lifting? I don't know if it's because he's more been doing more running instead of getting his upper body strong. Sean Johnson looks beyond fit to me. But that is troublesome. Uh, a pictorial injury like that. Hopefully he comes back and it's really just a blip in the road. But again, that's still four weeks for a major, major signing. And we know how bad the Warriors usually start their seasons. And I don't think they need, I don't think they can have that happen again and for them to be able to right the ship. So it's going to be interesting to see. But then Dalen Watini's Lesniak. Again, broken thumb, played the entire 80 minutes with that broken thumb and got a try, but he's gone now 68 weeks for the Warriors. And then Vali, the, the MCL, three to four weeks for him in his first match too with the, with the Warriors. So the Warriors, again, they're, they're up against it as usual. Um, I know that the only thing those guys want to do is get back to New Zealand and play a home match, but they're going to have to fight. And they're going to have to fight early on because I don't think this season is going to be a good one if they don't really get at least win two out of the four matches when Sean Johnson's out. I don't think they can go 0-4 and, uh, and then still think about being able to get into the top eight. The Raiders, Ricky's boys, Josh Hodgson, MCL, three to you know three weeks. Uh, we know that uh, Hajo, he heals up pretty quick. But an MCL strain, uh, it's probably a three-week injury for sure. And then Brad Schneider, the young gun in the halves that was supposed to be partnering with uh, Jack Whiten. COVID, it's looking like it's a two-week injury for him or two weeks on the sideline for him with, with the Cove. So we won't probably see him till round three. Now the Panthers and their destructive performance that they had, late loss to Moses Leota, and that is huge. Fractured shoulder eight to ten weeks, you know, Again, how the Penny Panthers are playing, they'll just put somebody else in there right now. But but again, that's still the key. You know, when you get a guy that's going to miss that much time and the match that he played and had, I think it'll be a, a, a major loss for them. And then the Dragons, Woodsy, Aaron Woods with the divine headband, pulling up lame with that hamstring. 
and that's an indefinite. Who knows, with a guy that size, Woodsy's age, how long he could be on the sideline. But uh, some major, major injuries that came out of round one that could affect uh, some teams going forward. Now, in a, a development that's really happened off of the back of this injury is that Sean Johnson pictorial injury and a lot of the shakeup that's going on with the Warriors because of that. And it's a key thing for me to watch going into round two that Reese Walsh is back from his suspension. Hope his, hope his nasal passages are clear. But Reese Walsh is back. So he'll be back in the fullback position. But that means now Chanel Harris-DeVita, where does he go? And what's happening, we found out, is that this is going to cost Cody Nikarima his job in the halves. And that kind of shocks me a little bit. But again, I think we've always said this. We talked about it uh, a few few episodes ago of Outside the Sheds about having so many halves and that there's going to be an odd man out. And the odd man out is Cody Nikarima because Nathan Brown is going to move Chanel Harris-DeVita to the 5'8th position. And Ash Taylor's back in. That's right. I had to do it for effect. I had to do the pause for effect. But Ash Taylor is going to play the halfback position for the Warriors going forward as long as Johnson's out. And I and I think what a turn of events for, for Ash Taylor. You know, a guy that couldn't find a team for the longest period of time Got a trial start. You know, they gave him a little bit of a contract to see how he looked at camp. And he's parlayed that into a one-year contract. And now he finds himself starting round two for the Warriors as the halfback. Uh, and and who knows? I'm saying if Ash, a lot of people thought Ash Taylor had the skill to go back to Brisbane and to possibly be the resurrection for the Brisbane Broncos if he would have re-signed there. And there was a there was big talk, and that's why he was on a million-dollar contract with the Gold Coast Titans. But I think that weight, that money, all of that was too much for him. And we never know how players are going to respond to that type of pressure. And it did affect Ash Taylor. Ash Taylor has never performed the way that a lot of people think that he could have performed that and that he should have performed that. And that is why he was almost on the outsurf in the NRL. But he's not. And he will be playing in round two. And I am very interested. And it may be my number one thing to watch this week in, in, in just one player is how Ash Taylor steers around that side and how that combination between him and Chanel Harris-DeVita matches these two up. Um, it is going to be key because it will not be an easy match for the Warriors. Um, and it's crazy that he's playing round two against his team that let him go in the Titans. So again, more storylines for us to look at, and let's get into these storylines. Let's go into round two. Starting off tonight, this morning, whatever you want to say, round two, we've got the Rabbitohs versus the Storm. I think it's fascinating that South Sydney has never won down in Melbourne. Figure that. 0-17 down in Melbourne. But that is what the Bunnies are going to have to how should I say, get the hoodoo off of and get try to get the victory? But guess what, Shedheads? Not happening. I still have the Melbourne Storm with the return, return of, again, another mustache in the side. Uh, I have them beating South Sydney. Friday, I think this could be a very interesting game to watch. 
and I think it could be a really fun one to watch. Panthers-Dragons kick off Friday night football. I've got the Panthers, though. I think the Dragons will push them, but I've got the Panthers beating the Dragons. Then we've got the match. To me, I think it's going to be the match of the round. I've got the, I've got the Seagulls versus the Roosters. Always interesting matches. Always exciting. I think there's going to be plenty of points scored in this one. But I've got the Roosters coming out on top of Desi's boys and getting on into the winner's column. And then we have, again, another match. Again, the NRL gives us more drama. Ash Taylor taking on his former team, Warriors versus the Titans. It is up in Gold Coast, and that is why I'm taking the Titans to beat the Warriors. Saturday, Eels and Sharks. A really big rivalry match. Uh, sometimes bad blood, too, which I love. You know me, Shedheads. I love myself some bad blood. But I am going to take the Sharks getting the victory. I think Nico Hines is going to have a big game. And I've got the Sharks beating the Eels on Saturday to start off Super Saturday. Then we've got the Raiders and the Cowboys. I told you, I think this is a pivotal game. Because if I think Todd, I think if Todd Payton loses this game... There's going to be some huge, huge pressure because this will be two losses to start off the season where they've played both games up in Townsville. And we know the passion of the people in Townsville. There is going to be some rumbling if they lose this. And I have them losing it. I think Ricky and the boys come up there. They beat the Cowboys, starting them at 0-2. And a lot of questions will start being asked of Todd Payton. Going into Sunday, again, a key, key match to me on two teams where I think this is going to tell us where they're going to go with in the go to in the future. We kick it off Tigers versus the Knights. Uh, it and it's and I just got in reading something too that it looks like Luke Brooks will not be in the Habs this week um, for the Tigers, uh, and he will not be partnering Jackson Hastings because he could not make it through a training session. So that is, that is key. It's something to watch to see if Luke Brooks can get back healthy in time to get back in the halves of Jackson Hastings. I also think it's funny because this offseason, there had been talk that Luke Brooks might have played for the Newcastle Knights, and there was a big push to bring him in to take the place of Mitchell Pierce. But I have the Knights beating the Tigers. Interesting match, but I do have Newcastle. And then the match to end out the round... Kebby's boys trying to stay in the winner's column. Adam Reynolds making his, how, how do I even say this? His, his riding in on his stallion, on his Bronco, into the halves, partnering beside Albert Kelly against Josh Adokar and the Canterbury Bulldogs. And I do have the Broncos beating the Bulldogs and Kebby's boys going up 2-0 to start the 2022 season. So, very excited. I, I I really can't really describe to you, Shedheads, how much the NRL gives us storyline after storyline after storyline. And then we're only getting ready to go into round two, and we've already got coaches on the hot seat and players already out that are going to affect their teams. It, it, is, it is a soap opera, soap opera of soap operas. So, Buckle up, Shedheads, and get ready for round two. Now, let's go on the mark. Let's go to our, our our other code that we represent here on Outside the Sheds. Let's go into some AFL. 
It is 2022. The season has begun, and it began with a rematch, a grand final rematch last night between the D's and the Dogs. And just like last year, a great hard-hitting match, a match that both teams, how should I say, exchanged blows to come out on top for their first victory of the round. But just like last year, the D's rose to the top. And I know, Demons, we don't want you guys to be upset. We're not talking about you going to heaven. You just rose to the top of the win column. Because the D's down the dogs, 97-71, in a match that I tell you, it had some ebbs and flows, but it was fascinating to me how the dogs did not circle the gun that is Christian Petraka because Petraka took over and had another masterful performance with his 38 possessions and two goals, one behind. I think that this guy may be on the cusp of just being one of those elite players that can just will his team to victory. You know, we saw that with Dustin Martin. We've seen that with other players before in the past that seem to just get it. And it might be something that we're experiencing right now watching a Christian Petraka uh, at the age that he's at uh, coming into his own. And I think that that might be what we're going to experience this year. The D's are going to push again for that top four. Uh, and it's going to be behind a strong play by their, their, their star gun player. Now, unfortunately for me, the crazy thing about the game isn't the game itself. It is the press conference after the game, to me, that overshadowed how great of a game we had to start off the 2022 season. And that is Luke Beveridge going nuclear on Fox footy journalist Tom Morris. And I think this all stems from not even this recent year, but last year when Tom Morris actually brought broke some news about players and who was going to be named in sides with the Dogs. And I think that's still kind of, how should I say this, poking Luke Beveridge in the side a little bit. But then when the news to this week happened a couple days ago with Lockie Hunter not going to be named in the side, that I think really set Luke Beveridge off. And I think a lot of the anger from Luke Beveridge isn't truthfully that Tom Morris dropped knowledge. And truthfully, it was true. I'm saying this was... The only reason that that, that that Lockie Hunter might have got in is because of Jackson going down, right? But I think the biggest thing is we've got a rat in the building. The Western Bulldogs have a rat inside the building. Because, because Tom Morris can't report on something he doesn't find out, right? Tom Morris can't just make stuff up because Fox Footy's going to get rid of him. He's got to have a substantial lead and source that is going to give him that type of information for him to report this. And I think while you're seeing Luke Beveridge so upset is he knows that. He's got a rat now that he's got to freaking try to weed out. He's got to find out, he's got to now start getting fake, he's got to start giving false information and kind of find out who is reporting this false information. Some people think that might have already happened. Some people think that that the whole Lockie Hunter situation might be him trying to put smoke out there to see who, quote-unquote, might be feeding this information to Tom Morris. I don't know. I think we'll find out in the next week or two. 
But that overshadow, well, that blow up and that freaking gigantic caterpillar on Luke Beveridge's upper lip, I'm saying that is some demonstrative stuff. I'm, I've already, I've always said Luke Beveridge looks like Glenn Danzig uh, from the Misfits slash Danzig. But that, that mustache right there, that is straight chopper, right? That is some chopper stuff right now. I'm saying if, if Luke Beveridge comes into your house to collect money, you're paying with that look. Uh, so that to me is the biggest development in round one is that freaking handlebar on Luke Beveridge's upper lip. But it is going to be interesting to see. Uh, a lot of people think the beverage was out of line, that uh, you know journalists have the right, journalists have the right to report things, blah, blah, blah. But I think the biggest thing is the, the caterpillar on the upper lip and the rat that's inside the Western Bulldogs building and in their sheds. So it's, it's always good to fumigate rats. So it'll be interesting to see who this individual is. Now, let's go into more coaching news. And, 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 and we've, we've gotten news now and that it's, a deal has been signed for an extension for Geelong coach Chris Scott that could keep him with the Cats until 2025. Now, there's also rumblings that, that Chris Scott may be closer to leaving than he is to staying with the Cats. And that, that there could be some developments coming down the, 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 coming down the pipe. And a lot of those developments could, how should I say this, be writings on the wall on how a certain team performs this season and next season. But as we sit right now, Chris Scott has signed this extension that's going to see him with the club another three seasons until 2025. And, and I think that it is a fluid situation, uh, kind of like the NFL is over here. Well, you're my quarterback today, but not my quarterback tomorrow. Well, we might see that with the Geelong Cats. But one thing we know about Geelong is they're a stable team, they don't make rash decisions. And I think, you know, I think Scotty's done a great job with Geelong. He's been there forever. And I don't think that they're going to move on from him until he's ready to move on. Unless they just totally fall off the boil this year. But I think they will be competing for a top four finish this year. And we'll have to wait and see. But good news, I guess, for Geelong fans that you've got a stable coaching staff and, and that uh, you've got Chris Scott inked until 2025. Now, we talk about injuries a lot on Outside the Sheds because we are dealing with two sports that are very, very brutal. Two sports that, unfortunately, finishing the season is almost a war of attrition. But when we get a chance to report great news on Outside the Sheds, we jump at this. And that's what we're going to report right now. And that great news is there is a key addition for round one for the Carlton Blues. And that is that their defender, Sam Doherty, is going to be in the side for round one tonight, this morning, whatever you want to say, against the Richmond Tigers, he will be on the side and be pulling on that Carlton Guernsey to run out with his teammates and his mates. And I can't tell you how exciting that is. I, I've told you before, Shedheads, that I've I've had my own battles with my family, dealing with cancer, losing my mother and whatever. And so whenever I hear and can report about a story about a cancer victory, we're going to always do that. And we're going to do it, and we're going to do it clapping. We're going to do it with an incredible smile on our face. Because I know what this young man has been through, Sam Doherty. I've seen the, 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 the trials that a person goes through facing chemo. I, I know the mental anguish that can be put on you. The weight loss, the hair loss, all of that stuff. I've seen it. I've been there before. So to see this young man get the weight put back on him and to be able to run out in round one, after getting a cancer diagnosis back in September, excuse me, 
August and starting chemo in September and to be in there and to be able to fly, fly out there. You know, I, I can't say that the Carlton Blues are my team of teams, but I can say that a cancer survivor is one of my players of players. So I will be rooting for Sam Doherty all season, and I hope he has a flyer of a game tonight against Richmond uh, to kick off round one. Now, let's get into round one, and well, we already saw that you know what happened with the D's and the dogs with the with the D's coming out on top. But here's the matches we've got for round one. Starting off tonight, kicking off Tigers and the Blues. And I guess we'll pick these up. What the heck? Let's do it. Tigers and the Blues. I've got the Tigers, no matter if it's a good story or not, over the Carlton Blues. Friday night, we've got the Magpies versus the Saints. Dugowie is going to play. Uh, I'm picking the upset. I'm taking the Saints over the Pies. And then we've got the Bombers versus the Cats. I'm taking the Geelong Cats every day of the week in that one. Saturday, we've got the Swans versus the Giants. I, I think this is going to be a, the bat. Well, we know this. It's the battle for Sydney. But I think after what I've heard about what's going on with the Swans, I'm taking the Swansies. I'm taking those fighting white birds, unless they're the black Swans. Then we've got, a, I think, a key, key match. I think this is one to circle as maybe my match of the round. We've got the Power versus the Lions at the GABA. And I'm taking the Power in this. I think that Port Adelaide is, I will, I'm will. i going to tip it early. Uh, the Power are one of my top four seeds. They're going to be going into uh, the finals. So I've got the Power winning a, a close match, but winning that. And then the Ruse and the Hawks. I'm going to stun some people right now. I'm taking the Ruse over the Hawks. In round one. Sunday, we start off with the Dockers and the Crows. I'm taking the Dockers. I think Fremantle. And then we finish it off round one. Suns versus the Eagles. Again, I'm going upset. I'm taking the Suns to top the Eagles. Now, we go on to our projected top four. And I'm going to I'm not going to surprise you with some of my picks, but I think that this is going to be an incredible year. Uh, for 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 the AFL, I'm really excited about it. But my top four are the D's, the Power, the Dogs, and the Tigers are my top four clubs uh, that I think they're going to finish the season uh, in that those that key position of one through four. Now, I'm not saying what order these four teams are going to finish, but I do think those are my top four clubs going into the start of the 2022 season my grand final i've got the d's versus the tigers and i have the tigers the yellow and black coming out on top and winning the grand final so that is my projections we'll see how those pan out but that is what my 2022 2022 2022 season looks like now i know you're excited about this shedheads the guns are back and it was a tough it was a tough three to pick this week but we got it done. And my number one gun of the week was Ravalawa for the Dragons after his performance. He had three tries, 173 running meters, three line breaks, five tackle breaks, and eight, tack- and eight tackles made in a victory for St. George this week. My number two gun, Dane Gagai, one try, 
200 running meters, one line break, two line break assists, one try assist, six tackle breaks, 23 tackles made. I think the Dane Gagai signing could come down as one of, if not the number one signing of the year, going to be a top three signing of the year for St. George, excuse me, for Newcastle, as long as he stays healthy. Uh, he was strapped up pretty well on that right leg, but I think if Dane Gagai can finish the season, uh, I think you will see Newcastle in the top eight. And then my number three gun, Christian Petraka, after the performance he had last night to lead the D's to their victory over the Dogs. Two goals, one behind, 38 disposals, 24 kicks, 14 handballs, eight marks, two tackles, nine clearances, 869 meters gained. I, you can't say that. That is, that is world-class, that performance. And that's round one. So I think Christian Petraka, I think the D's are poised to go back. And I think they will be in the running to repeat as the champions for 2022. Now, as we go to outside the bubble, I didn't know which way to go with this. Because we could talk about the GOAT coming back, all that type of stuff. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But my number one story has to do with sports, politics, and world event. And that is... Unfortunately, what's going on um, with Russia, unfortunately, what's going on, um, you know, with the invasion. And and I, we don't talk about politics too much. I think you guys know where I stand by a lot of things with some of my offhanded comments. But the Ukraine invasion has been felt around the sports world. Uh, maybe not as much for the two sports that we cover here on Outside the Sheds, but I think we've all seen it. I think we've seen some horrible, horrible visions on television, we've read horrible stories, but a story that's breaking right now is that this 2022 Wimbledon might not be like anything we've ever seen before, because word is coming down that Wimbledon is going to make all Russian and Belarusian players condemn Vladimir Putin and Russia before they will be allowed to play in this year's Wimbledon. Now, you have to understand what this could mean. This could mean players that are representing their country and we've seen Rublev already say and condemn the war condemn the invasion okay but to straight out say that to Vladimir Putin in Russia is very dangerous it is dangerous we know what Vladimir Putin can do we know what Vladimir Putin has the ability to do and we we know that a player condemning what he's done makes him an enemy of the state to an extent especially in Putin's eyes. So I'm very interested to see what goes on with this. Um, and I know that means the number one player in the world, Medvedev, is going to have to speak up against his country. And, and, and he actually said after Wimbledon that he was excited to get back to Russia and he might be playing more events in Russia than playing other events around the world because of his... I guess the way people treat him, the way that he doesn't like fans, you know, yelling at him, so on and so forth. But it'll be very, very interesting to see how this plays out. And it's a big stance for the UK and a big stance for Wimbledon to ask players to do this. But we see the sanctions that are going on in soccer, Formula One, any big thing, banks. We've seen Russia be put under heavy, heavy, heavy sanction 
because of the invasion of Ukraine. And I'm very, it's going to be very, very telling to see what these players do, what they say, and if they actually make that stance. Now, they might not even have to ever do this because if peace talks happen and this thing gets ironed out, they might not have to say anything. But if they don't, we are really set up for a showdown in professional tennis um, that's going to, I think, easily surpass the whole Novak Djokovic debacle that happened at the Aussie Open this year. And I am 100% behind the Aussie Open and not Novak Djokovic. But that's something totally different. So interesting to see. Going to be something to watch. Uh, and I'm, huh, I don't know which way it's going to pan out, Shedheads, but I think we'll experience it together. My number two, all right, here he comes. Tom Brady's back. I've said this all along. You know this. Go listen to previous episodes of Outside the Sheds. I have said repeatedly Tom Brady was not done. Tom Brady was going to play football this year. The question is where Tom Brady was going to play it. And I thought that he was going to try to find an angle and a way to get to the San Francisco 49ers, the team that he's always loved, the team that he grew up rooting for. But it sounds like with his unretirement that he is going to be putting himself back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and that they are going to try to run it back again to get to another Super Bowl. And you have to look at it. The easiest way to make it to the Super Bowl definitely probably will be in the NFC. But we'll have to wait to see how this plays out. But Brady is back. I know a lot of people are happy. I've got a friend of mine that I'm really close to who I think... uh, how should I say this? I think he goes to sleep every night with Tom Brady underwear on. I can't prove that, but I think he does. All right, I'm laughing. I, I shouldn't have said that. But anyway, so be watching that right now. The GOAT is back with the swashbucklers. Now, we all know, I, I don't know overseas if you guys pay attention this much, but a big, big thing that happens over here in America every year, the NCAA basketball tournament's getting ready to start up tomorrow. Uh, the, the the big 64, now I don't even know what, how many teams are in there now. They're playing games and all this garbage, whatever. Just give me 64 teams, let's start the tournament. But the number one seeds for the NCAA basketball tournament are Gonzaga, Arizona, Kansas, and Baylor. Um, okay, well that's fine. I think it's funny that two of those four teams are teams that should have probably gotten close to the death penalty for cheating sanctions in Kansas and Arizona, but because they're the thoroughbreds and some of the blue bloods of college basketball, they barely got a smack on the back of their hand. Yes, their coach is gone for for Arizona, but I'm saying he was as, I don't want to say criminal-ish, but he did some pretty underhanded things. But again, the program wasn't sanctioned. So, you know, so it's. I think that's kind of a black eye to the sport that those two teams are still right there at the top and never really had to experience any type of pain. But we all know the NCAA is corrupt anyway. So it's a tournament that's starting, a tournament that I don't really pay too, too, too much attention to. Uh, it's exciting. You get to see some teams that no one expected win some games, blah, blah, blah. But the tournament's starting, and I would not be doing my job as being your Shedadamas if I didn't report the news. And finally, as we keep and we stay in the category, or should I say, we pivot to the category of talking voices, talking heads, it has been named, it's official now, Monday Night Football, ESPN, starting this year, the combination in the booth will be (sighs) Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, 
coming over from Fox, being your voices for Monday Night Football. Now, I guess one positive about this is you're only going to have to hear these guys once a week, and that is on Monday night. You won't have to worry about listening to them on Thursday night and then on Sunday football. But we still have those two guys together. The Batman and Robin of Comovers and uh, an Acme Brick we'll have to listen to on Monday Night Football. Uh, we already know that you know Greasy has already taken a job working coaching uh, for the, the 49ers. Um, but, you know, I'm a big fan of Lewis Riddick. I think he should be a GM somewhere. Hopefully he gets a GM position, but we'll have to wait and see. A couple other things staying in the NFL, uh, getting away from those two talking heads, is that there's big rumor that Baker Mayfield be, may be on the outs of the Cleveland Browns. The Browns are allegedly meeting um, with uh, a very, very important quarterback that is not played for Houston, Deshaun Watson. Uh, let's just say his name, Deshaun Watson, uh, and that the, the the Brownies may be really looking at Deshaun Watson to come in and uh, you know take the place of Baker Mayfield. But I think no matter what happens with the the Instagram message that Baker Mayfield le- left yesterday, it does not look like he will be making a return appearance in Cleveland. Uh, and this might be like one of those ABC dating shows if that falls through and Deshaun Watson does not come to Cleveland how they're going to try to court Baker Mayfield to come back and to say that they loved him all along. And then finally, Von Miller has has circled his landing spot after winning his Super Bowl with the LA Lambs. I guess we can't call them that anymore. The Rams after winning their Super Bowl. Uh, Von Miller has signed and inked a deal to go to the Buffalo Bills. He's a now a member of the Bills Mafia. And we will see if this helps the Bills finally take that last hurdle to get over the step to win themselves a Super Bowl they feel they should have won or at least played in this season. So, with those key developments, key stories outside the bubble, there you are, Shedheads. Another episode of Outside the Sheds is in the books. I've got you ready and prepared for round two of the NRL and round one of the AFL Make sure you tune in. I'm excited. I can't really. I, I'm allegedly going on a good St. Patrick's Day wine extravaganza, even though your Shed Adamus is on the dry right now uh, tomorrow. So we'll see how my sleep goes tonight with these two with this match and the Tigers match too. So with that being said, enjoy your week. Stay safe, most importantly. Stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. But until next week, enjoy your footy. I am your Shed Adamus. I am Corey Jackson. You have been listening to Outside the Sheds. See ya. And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson, talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about. 